Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. The winners are the, the people with the most stories. One of the great things about traveling is the people that you meet. I've slept in bus stations, like yeah. I've slept on people's floors. And it's already on fire, and then there's just a gigantic, huge explosion, like out of a Hollywood movie. It's not right or wrong, it's just different. We hired like 10 Chinese prostitutes to come be our audience. We were kidnapped by nuns in Puerto Rico. <laughs> not a good idea to be high when you're packing. You forget a lot of stuff. I got swine flu. By the time you've lived through it, it's just a good story. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Travel Tales Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Siegel. Thanks for listening. My guest today is Chad Udstrom. Before we get to Chad, I want to say that our website is TravelTalesPodcast.com. Go there, check out some stories that I've written, some stories that some of the guests have written. You can see links to all our social media. And that is, of course, Travel Tales Podcast on Instagram, Travel Tales Pod on Twitter. There's Travel Tales Podcast on Facebook. If you can follow us or like us and do all that stuff online, I would appreciate it. Also, there are links to iTunes and Stitcher Radio, where you can subscribe, as always, for free. And if you go to iTunes, please, I would appreciate it if you give us a good rating, because that helps more people find the show, which boosts our presence, and that's cool. So if you could do that, that would be a nice thing for you to do. Also, if you think you might be a good fit for the Travel Tales podcast as a guest, or maybe you know somebody, you can write me at TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. That's TravelTalesPodcast at gmail.com. Speaking of being contacted, Chad Udstrom contacted me. He's got a very popular Instagram account called The Bro Abroad. And I know what you're thinking, and he knows what you're thinking. We talk about the name, and he makes fun of it a bit, but you remember it, and I think that's the point. Anyway, Chad has a pretty interesting story. He was just some uh, average kid growing up in Pittsburgh, went to college, started working in the family business, and uh, was, uh, like a lot of people who've been on the show, frustrated, bored, tired of the daily rat race, and knew he wanted to do some more. Ends up taking a trip to South America. That turns into a longer trip. And long story short, he's now a celebrity in Paraguay. What? Kid from Pittsburgh, goes to South America, gets famous in Paraguay. God bless the internet. He also has some good insight on how to build a, your Instagram account if you want followers and things like that. He's had some scary run-ins with locals and police and uh, customs agents in true South American fashion. And he's a real champion for his new adopted home country of Paraguay. He really likes it. And I got to admit, after years of doing this, Paraguay is one of those countries that don't uh, get a lot of tourist love. I can't really think of a, a show that I've done here that Paraguay was the focus. And the more he talked about it, the more I want to put it on my travel list. Sounds like a really interesting place. And if you see his images on the Bro Abroad Instagram account, it looks like a pretty cool place as well. You might hear a little bit of static and things like that every so often because we were doing a Skype interview from L.A. to Paraguay. And the connections in Paraguay were not fantastic. A lot of stops and starts, and I pieced it together. It took a little work, but I uh, managed to put it all together. Had to cut some things out just because the connection kept going bad. So, hey, what do you want? I'm recording a guy in another continent. But for the most part, it all worked out. So thank you, Chad, for contacting me. And everybody else, enjoy my conversation with Chad Udstrom. Where are you from originally? I'm from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. How does a Pittsburgh kid find himself in Asuncion, Paraguay? I had a horrible breakup with my ex-girlfriend living together in Pittsburgh in about May of 2015. Decided the best way to deal with that 
uh, the day after moving out was to just plan a trip to Colombia with my two craziest friends. And it was amazing. The trip to Colombia was about 10 days, had a blast, fell in love with the country. And after that, I just kind of knew that I wanted to spend a lot more time in Latin America. And I have always wanted to do a solo backpacking trip, one of those style trips. And it was just at the right time. And I decided at that time to quit my job and to decide to go uh, January 1st, right after New Year's. And I actually started my trip in Venezuela. And I've been to almost every country in Latin America since then. Well, from what I've heard, I've never been to Colombia, but from what I've heard of it, uh, it's a good place to get over a, uh, a lady. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if, you, uh, if you go to Colombia, you probably, you probably will lose your taste for American girls real fast. <laughs> was that the main focus of, uh, of going down there? And how was your Spanish before you left? That first trip actually was not the main focus. It was just kind of just to make a spontaneous trip. And we had actually, honestly, we just went online and looked what was the cheapest and somehow we found this crazy cheap flight from Pittsburgh to Cartagena, so we just booked it. It was, it was like $350, and that's just unheard wow. of. It You can't fly to New York for that cheap. We just went with it, and we loved it. What kind of job were you doing that you were so willing to leave? I was working for my family's business, and I actually had a bit too much leniency working in that, in that job, and I got to travel a lot. I had to travel a lot for the job, and I, it was just the right time. I just... I wasn't. I was unhappy. I was unhappy with just everything. I needed a, an immediate change, so I just decided to say screw it, and I went with it. Now, was this after college, or did you go to school? Yeah, this- I, I went to Penn State, and uh, yeah, it was after college. So, what did your parents but, uh, think of this idea that you were going to take off and uh, leave the family business? It was a pretty big deal. It was a big ordeal, but at the time, to be honest, it, it's tough. It's tough working in a family business, especially if it's really small. Because it can affect your relationship with your family members. My dad and I are so similar that when you're that similar, you butt heads nonstop all day, every day. And that's what ended up starting to happen. Like, and every day got a little bit worse. And we both were at the point where it's like something needs to change. And it was the right time. It was just the right time to do it. So you've been traveling pretty much nonstop since January of 2016. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. I, uh, I started in Venezuela because I had actually met a Venezuelan girl in Cartagena while I was down there and we kept in touch. When I first got there, I was supposed to be I was supposed to be the Spanish translator of our group. And when I got to Colombia, I realized I had forgotten everything I learned in college and I was <laughs> honestly really upset with myself. I felt so dumb not being able to express anything. So to be honest, she helped me a ton after because we stayed in touch. She helped me uh, talking every day just on WhatsApp, and I would study on my own. So that helped me prepare for the trip a little bit to Venezuela. But when I got there, honestly, it was just like throwing, you know, throwing the calf to the wolves. Like, I, it was tough. Like, in, in big groups, Venezuelans talk really fast. So I would get lost very easily. If I was one on one, I was okay. But it was good because it was, you know, trial by fire. And after that, I uh, went back to Colombia for a bit. Then I went to Cuba where it's it's hard it's actually kind of hard to find people who speak english outside of the main the, like the main tourist area of havana so it just that helped my spanish just to be solo and for, it forces you to talk the the hardest problem people have with learning a new language is just getting over the embarrassment of talking the embarrassment of your your gringo accent like i have a horrible gringo accent still but after traveling two full years through latin america i'm fluent at this point and it's the best thing i've ever done I, I love latin america because you can travel between about 20 different countries depending on if you count puerto rico or not and everyone speaks the same language and if you can actually speak the language 
it's it's um, you can you can communicate with everyone. It's not like when Americans go to Europe or Asia yeah. and you just have to use English the whole time. It's it's totally different. I, I love it down here. It really uh, opens up half the world. It really does. I for me, it's the most important second language. So in that case, have you as the last two years pretty much all been South America and Latin countries? It hasn't all been South America actually. It's kind of a funny story. <laughs> I don't even know where to begin with it, but in the, in the trip in 2016, I did it all alone pretty much. I mean, I was I was solo, but you know, when you're solo backpacking, you're never really alone. You're always meeting people. Right. And I hit I hit a good group of countries in South America including islands of Cuba, and I went to Trinidad and Tobago also for carnival, which was insane. It was like being in a rap video for a, <laughs> a straight week. But uh I went home for my sister's wedding in uh October of of uh 2016. And I was kind of back to square one. It was kind of like, ah, the, the backpacking, like living in Neverland thing is over. So I was back to square one trying to, trying to find a, a full-time job again. And when I started my trip in uh, 2016, I just started doing social media, like travel social media and working on gaining a following just on Instagram. And it finally started to gain traction once I spent a lot of time in Colombia. I got a ton of Colombian followers, got to Bolivia, picked up a little bit of traction, got to Peru, spent a lot of time in Peru and it picked up a lot of traction. And I, I, w- I would receive messages from uh, my followers constantly asking me for advice, inviting me out, so-and-so and so-and-so. And I had received a message from this guy when I was in Lima who was kind of doing the same thing as me. He was, he was an American who, had, who loved Latin America. And he was like, hey, buddy, hey, hey bro, we're like, kind of like, we're very similar. We should hang out, blah, blah, blah. But I had already been on my way planning to leave for Ecuador. So I was just like, oh, sorry, man. But uh, I went home for my sister's wedding in October which was about three months after that guy messaged me. And uh, after my sister's wedding, I was just trying to find a job, and I get another message from this guy. And I remembered his face from his profile, and he sent me a message, hey, Chad, I'd love for you to be part of a group of videographers and photographers traveling overland through Latin America, uh, doing product shots for companies, videos, drone videos. It's going to be like a little mini documentary maybe. And I was just like, wow, this, is, this sounds too good to be true. It's going to be sponsored. I'm going to have everything paid for. and But there was something off. There was just something weird about it that I couldn't put a finger on. He was like a super happy guy, pretty boy, blonde hair. And then I, I, I met his friends through a Skype call. Same thing. Uh, just like super happy guys, all bleach, blonde hair. I'm like, <laughs> these guys are like overly nice. Like there's just like something is off here. Like what is the deal? So – I was like, can you show me an example of what you guys have done before? Because like, I, something's missing and I don't get it. And he was like, yeah, I can send you a documentary. Did we did a uh, road tripping through Europe like in 2015? And he sends me this uh, private Google Drive link, and he says you can't show it to anybody to anybody yet because it hasn't been released. And <laughs> I open the movie and it's a documentary and it's there like really happy white bleach blonde face, faces just like looking overly happy. And I'm like, what is the deal? And then the title, the title of the documentary comes up, and it says "The Mormon Connection." Ah. And I was just like, "Okay, they're just like they're Mormons." I was like, "Okay, like that's <laughs> I guess that's what was what was weird about it," because he was from Salt Lake City. And I was just like, "Okay, okay, now now I get it." Like I knew something was I felt like something was a little off, but yeah. So I got invited, but I was kind of I was kind of thrown off by that also. So I was like, "So you guys want to like kind of." make a documentary like traveling in a van through Latin America with like a, a normal guy trying to convert me to Mormonism. Is that, is that the, the premise of the movie? 
And they said, no, no, it has nothing to do with that. We're just uh, doing product shots for companies and we're going to be doing travel documenting along the way. So so I decided in uh, January that I was just going to say screwed and do that because I felt like it was kind of a another opportunity I couldn't miss. And I flew out to Salt Lake City and we hit a few hit a few national parks in Utah, uh, did Horseshoe Bend on the way to the border in Texas, crossed the border in Laredo and drove through all of Mexico, hit every country in Central America. And we spent a good decent amount of time in each country and eventually shipped the van from uh, Panama, Panama to Cartagena, then drove from Cartagena all through Colombia, all the way down to Arequipa, Peru, where my friend sold the van after we had been, we had traveled about four months. He then sold the van at the border with Chile. We had another buddy who, uh, his Instagram handle is pretty funny. It's uh, where's the gringo. He's been traveling overland through Latin America for five years. He just finished. He just just made it to Ushuaia after five years and we traveled around with him through Peru for about two weeks then he continued on to Machu Picchu because I just wanted to stay in Lima and kind of find a random job while I was there teaching English or whatever while he did Machu Picchu because I had already done that Mm -hmm. and he continued on doing that I stayed in Lima and he continued on to Bolivia and I was kind of back to like do I continue traveling because I, I really need to find a steady job at this point. So I'm staying in Lima and <laughs> I'm, we're staying with, uh, we're staying with a, per, a Peruvian who was roommates of my buddy. And to make a long story short, we came back one day and there we, <laughs> I can't really, I can't really tell the whole story. I wish I could, I wish I could tell the whole story, but I can't use specifics. But we came back one day and found a police report on the coffee table saying that they were under investigation for money laundering. It was the state of Peru versus so-and-so, so-and-so. I can't really say anything. Wait, the, uh, so the Mormons I, were? No, no, the, uh, one of the roommates. Oh, okay. What one happened the to the Mormons? Um, he actually had to go back. He actually had to go back home to uh, finish a class. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, actually, the, the group of Mormons, it started out with, with four of us, and it kind of trailed off towards Colombia. In Colombia, two guys had to leave, and... Uh, just me and one other guy finished all the way to to Arequipa, Peru. Oh, okay. Peru. So I'm I'm cutting out some I'm cutting out some big parts of the story to try to cut it a little bit short. But <laughs> yeah, long story short, the person we were living with was uh, under investigation for money laundering, and at that point, I felt like I was going to be implicated somehow because I would go to I would go to the bank to pay bills, and I was on cameras and stuff. So I was just like, okay, I guess I'm going to Bolivia to meet up with my buddy. So I just got the hell out of there. Uh, <laughs> the week, week that they prevent, uh, present in front of the judge. So I went to Bolivia. I'd already been to Bolivia and was kind of a little bit over it, to be honest. So my buddy wanted to continue on through the salt flats, which I had already done previously, and then continue on to Chile. And I kind of have Chile reserved for a time when I can do it really right. Like I really want to do it a month, two months, have a lot of money saved up to do it right because it's a huge country with a ton, with a ton to see. And I didn't want to go there and kind of, you know, half-heartedly visit the country mm-hmm. so i decided to separate with uh my buddies in bolivia and continue on to paraguay so we split up in sucre bolivia which is a nice little colonial town and i went on to santa cruz which is the most modern city in bolivia and then i hopped on a bus to paraguay a 25-hour bus to paraguay and kind of the reason that really pushed me to come to paraguay is because i have a buddy from high school who dates a Paraguayan girl, and just by chance, 
when I was back in the States uh, after my sister's wedding, I had met her and her entire family in Miami, and they were the nicest people I've ever met. They were shocked I spoke Spanish, and they invited me to Paraguay, and they said, you have to come. You can stay with us as long as you want, blah, 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 blah. And that was only like a few that was only a few months uh, before that. And I don't know. It was just like the extra push I needed to go to Paraguay, a place that most gringos don't go out of the way to visit for a lot yeah, of reasons. I was gonna say, I mean, that's not it was, usually it on was the, the uh, it's not usually on the tourist roadmap, Paraguay. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It it really should be though. I and I'm gonna turn into a Paraguay tour guide here, but I've I've been to all like I said, I've been to I've been to every Spanish speaking country in the world besides Chile, Dominican Republic, and Puerto Rico. And yeah, I came here because it was just very unknown. I honestly only planned on staying about a week and then flying back to Lima. But the main attraction here in Paraguay is the people. I, I've ne- I've been this my 40th country I've been to, and I've never been anywhere with nicer, cooler, more fun, more welcoming people in my entire life. It's pretty I, small. I'm telling right? you, like it's tiny. It's it's about a little less than seven million people. But to be honest, it's actually beautiful. What they're lacking is publicity, and that's where I'm starting to come in here. I'm kind of, I've kind, I'm kind of turning into the, the foreign face of tourism for Paraguay, and that's why I'm still here after, oh, I've been here over four months at this point. Well, how did you come so, up with, how did you on, come up with the bro abroad? Where did that come from? <laughs> that was back when I was uh, trying to change my Instagram account from just my name to a travel account, and I had gone through about fifty different names, and. All of them were taken. So I decided to ask this girl. Her name is the Blonde Abroad. I know. And she, she's, she's done this a show. Top-notch travel blogger. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. she did it years ago. She's like she's like the cream of the crop. So I, yeah, I saw I saw her name and I was like, hey, maybe there can be a male counterpart to that. <laughs> maybe I can ride her coattails a bit. <laughs> so it's finally starting to really pick up, and uh, that's where I came up with it. To be honest, just try to kind of steal her thunder a little bit but there's no one stealing her thunder well there's a lot of people out there uh blogging and you know doing a lot of uh travel related things how did your instagram account take off what do you think the key was i mean i, I went to it and i saw you have some great photos is it the the amount of uh, posting you did do you think or what separates you from all the other instagrammers um it's ex- it's extremely difficult to grow a following on instagram if you had started after 2015 and the reason for that is because facebook bought instagram and they've been tweaking the algorithm for how your posts show up in the timeline so it's actually very hard to get your to get your stuff seen if it doesn't go viral tell me about so it so what i did i would just kind of when i <laughs> when i would be in a different country i would try to i would try to find similar accounts or accounts that people from that country were interested in and try to kind of target them you know liking commenting sending the messages trying to network with people who are other travelers who had had success prior it's it's kind of all about it's honestly about networking it's about getting other people to share your profile getting getting in contact with people that want to be inspired by travel it's it's really tough but here it's starting to take off in paraguay because it's it's about broadcast like i i go on if i go on tv here in paraguay and just they put my instagram handle up on the tv i'll probably gain 300 to 500 followers just from a tv show so if you're if you're using other outlets to broadcast your material more, and I also come to realize that YouTube, if you connect with YouTubers, you connect with the younger generation, and it's it's insane the power that these kids have. Just for example, the other day I did a video with a a really popular YouTuber here in Paraguay, and I just he just posted an Instagram story with me in it, 
and I gained almost 2,000 followers in 24 hours just just from that. So it's it's a little bit of luck. It's to the point where it's so oversaturated the the social the travel social media is that people don't care about amazing landscape photo anymore. They care about the person traveling. I've noticed that when I post a nice landscape picture, I get maybe a third or a fourth of the likes and interactions I'll get as if I'm in the photo, which is a huge pain because if I'm by myself, I need my tripod yeah. or I have to take some sort of selfie. So it's it's difficult, but if you what, what the, the key is to turn yourself into the show a little bit, I've realized. It took me way too long to realize that, but yeah, that's kind of what it's all about. It's about building up hype for yourself, even if there is is no hype that there there really is no reason for that hype to be there but that's kind of the uh basis of what it's about it's more of the youtuber mentality how did you end up on uh, paraguayan tv how did that start i i just started uh traveling around the country by myself and i would be the only person at these beautiful waterfalls these little mountains they, they don't have huge mountains here but they're called cerros they're kind of these flat tabletop mountains kind like mini versions of the tepuis that they have in venezuela I don't know if you know Mount Roraima, but it's a big flat mountain. They're just, they just kind of go straight up flat face and then it's flat on top. Well, they have smaller versions of those here in Paraguay. And I would post photos of those. And, you know, I, I bought a Team Paraguay soccer jersey and people love that. And people from the government took notice, actually, and they invited me to the government access, access channel for an, an interview. And it was all in Spanish, and it went really well. And the day after that, I just got lit up with inbox messages like, please come to this show, come to this show. And for about two weeks straight, I was on TV just about every day. And now I'm a regular on various programs. Some of them are a little bit more silly than others. Some of them are kind of like variety shows. Uh, I prefer to do the interviews, the the uh, talk show style shows because – Right, it's an intelligent conversation, and it's not you're just not like a, uh, you're on. It's not like you're on Double Dare, you know. In the <laughs> I was gonna early say. 90s I was gonna say, are you playing a, games? Are, yeah, are you a judge on uh, Paraguayan Idol? Uh, it's it's kind. It's some of the shows are kind of like that. I mean, there's like <laughs> there's one show that I go. There's one show I go on regularly where it's these girls just dancing in thongs. There's just crazy. I'm listening. Crazy music and dancing. It's wild. There's a bar. we play we we play games they start random gossip about me and one of the other dancers Mm -hmm. if there's any actual if there's anything actual to see there that's up for the the audience to decide it's kind of the paraguayan tv they they really like their uh gossip right it's 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 tough to avoid and paraguay is so small that everybody kind of knows everybody and if you're on tv they really get up in your business and especially if you're a foreigner, I'm the only American here who uh, appears on TV besides one guy who comes a few times a year because he's a host of a big traveling cons- uh, electronic music festival. Mm-hmm. And he was like the original, the original gringo that came here and was like and fell in love with Paraguay. Another example, this guy, this guy has traveled the world like he's he's been I, I've never been to Asia. Oh, he's wow. been all over Asia, all over Europe, about 50 countries many times. And his favorite country out of all those 50 is Paraguay. Hmm. Amazing. For the same reasons as, as mine. The best, nicest, warmest, coolest people. Most be- Like you, you were talking about Colombian girls earlier. Colombian girls are beautiful. And there are way more Colombians than there are Paraguayans. But Paraguayan girls are on that same level. <laughs> and they're humble. They're so fun. Down to earth. I can't say enough good things. 
Well, you keep talking and for me that reason. This. It's <laughs> have you been to Latin America? Oh, sure. I've been to well, I've been to Argentina, oh, Brazil. I've been to well, Panama, Costa Rica, Honduras. I've been around it. I've okay. been to Peru. I've been to Peru. I was down in Ushuaia, Argentina last okay. year and went on my way to the uh, Antarctic. And uh, yeah, so okay. I mean, I've been to Brazil. So I mean, I. I I loved it. I love it getting back. I mean, Colombia is really, really high on my on my list. I just haven't gotten oh, there Columbia yet. Oh, Colombia should be Colombia Beach should be number one. And yeah, on the on the topic of, on the topic of girls, it's it's hard to beat Brazilians. And well, as yeah. far as as far as as far as most beautiful girls in the world, I, I think it's kind of. I'm a hockey player, so there's this never ending Canadians three greatest, <laughs> greatest no, <laughs> the, the, no the three greatest players of all time in any order. Sure, Wayne Gretzky, Mario Lemieux, Bobby Orr. I'm from Pittsburgh, so. Obviously, Mary Lemieux is number one. I think if you took the most beautiful girls in the world, it's Brazil, Venezuela, Colombia, in any order, one to three. Not, neither order is going to be wrong. And then in number out of the little countries, Paraguay is number four. I can't put Paraguay up with those countries just because it's so small. Right. But Paraguay is number four. I got to think, because it's not on the big uh, tourist track, that Paraguay has got to be uh, affordable, right? Is it? It is, it is very affordable. The uh, yeah, the only thing that's that's a pain are uh, taxis. And if you're if you're a casual backpacker and you're not looking to to spend money to rent a car, it's hard to get to the really nice travel natural travel destinations. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to to maneuver the colectivos if you're trying to get to those places. You need to, you need to hire a ride. To be honest, you you need your own car. You need you need something with four-wheel drive because these these roads are just practically non-existent. I, I would imagine it's something what Africa would be like. Uh, yeah, I don't know, West Africa, something like that. Just yeah. huge, just dirt roads for miles and miles and miles. Sometimes you get to points where you have to decide: Am I going to try to get over this hole to get to the other side of the road, or do I have to turn around and turn back? And these are to get to their to to get to some of their best. Top top five destinations, yeah. so it's tough, and I'm uh, I'm uh, crossing my fingers. I'm not really supposed to say too much, but I have have some prospective jobs uh, on the horizon, uh, teaming up with their board of tourism here to uh, help fix some of the problems with Paraguay. One of the main reasons that a lot of tourists skip coming here is because of the uh, the visa fee. There's a hundred sixty dollar oh. visa fee, like they have like they have in Bolivia for Americans, but the problem is that Bolivia has a lot more natural wonders, a lot, a lot more big name natural wonders. Yeah. Uh, Paraguay doesn't have a big name, and a lot of a lot of backpackers go to Iguazu Falls, which is which actually used to belong to Paraguay, and which is right on the border with Argentina and Paraguay. And a lot of people decide not to cross the border to Paraguay because of that visa fee, and also the ones who do get a very bad first impression of Paraguay because Ciudad del Este is really not Paraguay. It's more of a Brazilian territory. If you go to Ciudad del Este, everyone's speaking Portuguese. It's a big open-air black market. There's tons of Koreans, Arabs. There's a lot of illegal trade going on because the border has very little control. So that is a problem with uh, the perception people have with Paraguay. I actually, I actually listened to your podcast with Lee Abumanti. Yeah, who's yeah. been to every country in the world, and I I went through his website and I actually saw he had I think he had listed number one country in the world he wouldn't go back to was Paraguay. All he did was cross the bridge and go to Ciudad del Este and hated it with good reason, but like because you just walk straight into the black market and it's just chaos. Right. 
try to get rid of the visa fee and the first impression being Ciudad del Este because that's just not really real Paraguay, to be honest. So now getting out of Paraguay, what are some places in South America that are beyond the, the main things that people all know? What, what would you say are the hidden gems of South America? I know it's a big area of to South, cover, but of of South America or including Central also, um, because let's start with just South, South America. America. Let's start with South America. Hidden gems. Um, honestly, Venezuela is such an incredible country. My, my trip to Venezuela was crazy because they're in a crisis right now. But as far as natural beauty and beaches go, it's really hard to beat Venezuela. But honestly, it's a, it's a horrible idea to go there right now because of the situation. Yeah. It was that was actually a really that was actually a really crazy trip because of how tense the situation was. Uh, I'll never forget uh, when I land. I, I flew from Miami, and when I was waiting for my bag at baggage claim, this girl who had been eyeing me the entire flight. I was the only I was the only non-Venezuelan on the flight. She was just eyeing me at baggage claim and just like kind of huffing and puffing, looking at me, and then just kind of stomped her feet, ran over to me, and she said, "Dude, what the hell are you doing here? Do you know where you are?" And I was like. Yeah, like what's the deal? She's like, you're gonna get robbed at customs. Like, you need to walk out with me. Like, this airport is extremely dangerous. So <laughs> I was like, wow, okay, this is uh, this is getting off to a good start. And she literally walked me to customs, and about eight guards or not guards, people working at customs, swarmed me. Just started grabbing my bags, kind of dumping them out. She starts screaming, screaming for the boss to come over and help. He finally, comes over. Kind of her screaming, kind of scared them away. But yeah, that was a crazy, crazy intro to uh, Venezuela, and uh, the family I was staying with. Luckily, they're well off, and they they had what they needed. And I was traveling in bulletproof cars the whole time. I had like the full VIP treatment. The uh, the dad, the father of the family I was staying with, he was a businessman who had high-ranking friend, uh, officials in the uh, military, and all that. Uh, he actually owned a pro basketball team. The only time I saw Americans the whole time I was there was when I uh, went to one of his uh, team's basketball games, and we just walked straight on the court like we owned the place. And uh, the three guys on the team noticed me, and they just kind of dropped what they were doing during, during warm-ups, and they said, man, what the hell are you doing down here? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, I don't know. I'm just <laughs> just here traveling. He's like, I was like, what are you guys doing? Uh, Nothing. I'm just playing ball with these bros. Like this is a different type of hood down here. You got to be careful. Like, oh yeah, we we're all kind of in the same situation. But uh, yeah, it was tense and it was it was a while because just to get just to get cash, I had to, I had to wire cash to uh, to her to the father and the family, and he exchanged it on the black market. And once you exchange something like a thousand dollars on the black market in Venezuela, you get duffel bags full of cash and. Uh, because the inflation is so out of control, and this was yeah. this was it wasn't even nearly as bad as it is now. And actually, one of the guy the the best player on the team, one of the American guys, he took a photo and uh, posted it on Instagram. He made a throne out of his paycheck, a, a giant throne out of his cash. He looked like he looked like it was looked like something out of a Pablo Escobar movie. <laughs> I mean, you must have been warned or something before you went. I mean, you must have known it was it was dicey. Yeah, I knew it was dicey, but I felt like I would I would get a little bit of street cred right off the bat. Yeah. And it turned out to be an awesome experience. I had I had a I had one close call, but uh other than that it was it was really nice. So I, I would have liked to spend more time actually. I was sad to leave, but luckily nothing happened because a lot of a lot of horror stories happen when when you're there like a few days after I landed, 
an Egyptian businessman was just walking out of the main tor- terminal of the airport and just motorcycle pulled up, shot and killed him. While I was there, two of the trainers at my uh, my friend's gym were on their way to work. Motorcycle pulled up and killed both of them. It's it's so desperate there that the criminals they they don't even ask questions. It's just it's just shoot and ask and don't ask any questions. Shoot, rob and go and it's pretty much lawless because the police the police are also corrupt and they have very little control, very little influence. Uh, it's it's a really tough situation and almost everyone I know who was there who's living there 2 years ago has left. They're all over Spain, Miami, Panama, Colombia, Peru. It's it's really sad because it, honestly, it, it used to be it used to, it's an oil rich country and it used to be one of the most pro- prosperous countries in Latin America back in what the 60s, 70s, 80s, and it just went to absolute hell. And it's getting it's getting worse every day. Other than the um, airport problems, I mean, of your last two years, what are some of the scariest run-ins with authorities or you know police? That you've had, other than that one. Probably with police, uh, I I was trying to I, I like to I like to drive to uh, dodgy areas to take photos, and I was driving with my friend and her her best friend, and uh, we were in a bulletproof car, you know, whatever, driving through a really dicey neighborhood, which had military guards on the perimeter because there had recent recently been a lot of killings and kidnappings there. But from afar, the neighborhood looks really cool for photos because it's all painted and multicolored rainbow. And I just wanted to take photos. So on the way out, they just pull out their giant AK-47s and point them at the car. And they they were beyond ecstatic to find a, an American in the car when they uh, when they opened the door. And I didn't have my passport on me. And that was kind of their green light to basically take anything from me, ransom basically, or to to hurt us. So my friend, luckily, she was thinking on her feet. And her dad's best friend is a big-time general in the military, or was. So she gets on the phone screaming. She puts on, like, the crazy Sofia Vergara, angry Latina act. And she goes, you tell General so-and-so to get down here right now. We have three young military officers who think they can do whatever they want to Taurus, blah, blah, blah. And they had been playing, like, monkey in the middle with my backpack, like, just jumping for joy at what they're about to steal. And once she once she yelled that out, their faces joined, just went stone cold, just no expression. Handed me my stuff back and said, "Have a nice day." But uh, that was a very close call of getting robbed. But the scariest thing that happened was probably when I was uh, driving through the outskirts of Cali, Colombia. This was just me and the uh, one other Mormon at this time. We were driving our van, and we actually took a detour outside of Cali to to go to a little city called Palmira. There's this one website that does the top 10 most dangerous cities in the world that aren't in a war zone right now, top 10 most dangerous cities list. And Palmyra is usually around five, six, seven, eight. But we wanted to go there. Well, I wanted to go there because I had met a girl, you know, through Instagram and I wanted to go meet her. Uh-huh. And my, my buddy had a bad feeling about it. He just said, man, I don't know. I don't know what it is with this Mormon intuition, but whenever he trusts his gut, he's usually right. I should have listened to him in this situation, but I didn't, and I, I was driving. So I said, no, nah, man, it's just, it's just a half an hour outside of the way, out, out of the way. Let's just go. It'll be quick. It starts raining. We're driving through an intersection in a, in a really bad neighborhood, in a, in a barrio. And I go to stop at a stop sign, and I can't fully see around this kind of factory uh, to my left. And a motorcycle comes flying on my right and doesn't even stop at the stop sign, just keeps, just keeps flying through the intersection. 
So he, since he didn't stop, that was kind of my signal to just green light go. And I start going through the intersection. Another motorcycle is flying perpendicular through the intersection, and the road is wet. So he tries to stop. He can't stop. My initial reaction is to hit the brakes. Just natural reaction when you see something crazy when you're driving is to hit the brakes. And when I hit the brakes, he had no choice but to just slide his motorcycle. So this guy goes flying into the side of our van, puts a, puts a huge dent in the side of the van, but luck if he hadn't if he if he didn't slide he could have easily died or broken his neck so when he hit us we panicked we didn't know what to do i, I just looked at my buddy we were both just like what do we do what do we do i don't know i don't know we let's see if he's okay we get out we see if he's okay he's rolling around just blood everywhere his leg is super screwed up he's cursing me out in spanish and we're in a really bad neighborhood this is a notoriously dangerous part of colombia that's like old time colombia and out of nowhere, the entire neighborhood just spills out into the streets, and they're they're stunned to see two white boys who are the culprits of this quote-unquote crime. And basically, people just start yelling at us, throwing dollar amounts at us. Um, and it was scary because they could have they could have pretty much done anything they wanted to us. The cops showed up, and all the all all the, all the guys in the neighborhood said for the cops to leave. They said, "Get out of here. We're going to handle this ourselves." So that's kind of the, that's kind of a signal to me and my buddy, like we're in some some deep trouble here. So <laughs> it's kind of a long story. I'll try to cut it short. What what ended up happening was they demanded a certain amount of money. They escorted me to an ATM where I was forced to take money out. I I took out about four hundred dollars. I said that was my my maximum I could take out. My buddy my buddy lied and said his debit card was uh, broken. And he couldn't get any money out. But they were demanding about $1,500 for the damage to the bike, uh, the damage to the guy. The guy was okay. His leg was really – he was really cut up. But nothing was broken. So long story short, they demanded much more money. We smartly went around taking pictures of the scene, serial numbers of the bike because they told us it was worth $4,000 brand new. Um, we didn't have any more money to give them, so we told them we'd go back to the hotel, and as collateral, we'd leave an extra iPhone that we, my buddy happened to have that he was planning on selling when we got to Peru. And he said, and he basically told them, you know what, uh, we're Mormons, we're the most honest people in the world, and we promise you that we will come back and meet you at the main square at the church tomorrow with the rest of the money and they agreed to it in exchange for the cell phone and the four hundred dollars so we went back kind of calmed our nerves because it was really it was it was scary we didn't know what who we were dealing with and what they were going to do to us so we went back did our research on the bike and how much damage would cost we went to different bike shops and asked them and it turned out that they way they way highballed us with the prices four hundred dollars would have been more than enough to cover the bike bike repairs and his medical repairs so them demanding fifteen hundred thousand dollars was insane. So what we did was we called up the girl who I wanted to who I wanted to meet up with, and her sister happened to be a lawyer. But we kind of planned it out that we were gonna we we're gonna put on an act. She was gonna be my buddy's girlfriend, and she was a police she was uh, a former police officer who is now a lawyer, and she once again did the uh, Sofia Vergara act <laughs> once we met up at the church, and we and just went nuts on this group of guys. Saying this is why this is why tourists don't go to Palmyra, because of guys like you who take advantage and basically rob these people blind for no reason. These are good people. Blah blah blah. It was an accident. It was actually it was actually your friend's fault for what happened because he was speeding through the intersection. And uh, the one guy ended up giving us the cell phone back. And as soon as that happened, one of the other guys got on his cell phone with the worst look on his face I have ever seen. Just starts making a call. And I'm looking at my buddy. I'm like, we got to go. We got to get out of here. So we had actually planned on driving to the border of Ecuador that, that day to, to cross into Ecuador. 
And we basically just hightailed it to the border because, honestly, it was going to be pretty easy to find a big black van with Utah license plates if we hung around the city too long. And we didn't know if they were calling back up to do something to us or what was the deal. And so then we hightailed it to the border of Ecuador. And the craziest part was a day later, we received just one of those storybook long text messages, an apology note for them taking advantage of us. So it seemed from like who? we from the guys who they, they sat back, they th- sat back and they thought about how they were basically trying to rob us blind because we we're tourists. But we weren't we're not like the average American tourist. Like we speak good. We spent a lot of time in Latin America. We speak Spanish. We could understand what they're saying, you know. So they ended up apologizing to us and getting a little bit religious, you know, because my buddy had the Mormon thing going and that was part of the texting. And that was kind of cool, actually, to receive a, a long apology letter after an event like that. But it was pretty scary when it happened. Yeah, but they didn't give back the 400 bucks, did they? No. <laughs> <laughs> we kind of we, we decided that we went around to different bike shops, and the general consensus that the average price was going to be around $280. That's fine. So You know, you're right yeah, off the so, wrist. Yeah, that's exactly what we did. We just wrote it off. That was scary. That was if, scary. If I've, yeah. learned anything, if I've learned anything from your stories, it's that uh, an angry Latina can get away with anything. Oh, you know what? They can because, <laughs> I don't know, they're, they're just so much different. I, I, I hate to, like, try to talk. I, I, don't wanna, I don't mean to talk down on westernized... Uh, it's hard. I'm, I'm thinking in English. I'm thinking in Spanish, but <laughs> trying to talk in English is a little bit tough. I'm so used to talking in Spanish here. It's, it's hard. I, I'm not trying to talk bad about westernized women uh, being like a little bit in, – in Spanish, they say frío, a little bit more cold. Yeah. You know, just, just, more, just more tough. Latinas are more – the word in Spanish is cariñosa. It's, it's warm. They're, they're a bit more feminine. They're just the way they, the way they handle themselves, is just much different than Westernized women. And, but when they get mad, that you know that famous feistiness comes out, and it's <laughs> it can be intense. And I, I love it. I, I don't know. I love it. It's it's good to have that. So I, what is the plan? Oh, first of all, did you give us the 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 highlights? Give us some quick highlights that we need to see that maybe we don't know. Hi, highlights of South America that that you don't know. I mean, that maybe uh, the one people of the main. Hi- I mean, we all know Machu Picchu and stuff, but I mean, what are? Oh, what exactly. Else should we see? Okay, okay, okay. If you want to talk about Peru, there's so much more to Peru than Machu Picchu. Um, I did a, I did an eight day trek in the uh, Cordillera Waiwash Mountains, the most insane mountains I, I've ever seen. Just like it looks like it looks like the Rockies, but better. It, it kind of it, it, you know the uh, the famous photos from the Canadian Rockies in out in ba- the Banff area in yep, Alberta. I've been there. Yeah, everywhere you turn looks just like that with the blue lagoons. It's insane, absolutely insane. I actually I almost I probably enjoy, I enjoyed that more than Machu Picchu because it's just you and a group of maybe eight other foreigners. And a couple Peruvians having that entire area to yourself. It's not like Machu Picchu is incredible. Don't mean, don't get me wrong. Machu Picchu is that tourist attraction that lives up to the hype. It's like the Disney World of you know yeah. tourist attractions in the Americas, but it does live up to the hype. But this part of Peru, outside of the city, is called Juarez. There are so many treks you can do that are just mind blowing. So you can do you can do treks outside of that city that are day that are day hikes. One's called Laguna Sesenta Nueve, Laguna Laguna Sixty Nine, and that's uh that's about an eight hour trek. 
and you get up to the top of these snow snow peaked mountains and just this crazy crystal clear blue lagoon that you've never seen anything like that before. You can you can, like a polar plunge type thing, jump in it. And there's another area. Uh, it's called Lake Paron. I think it's it's actually another four hours or so away from Juarez. And it's it's where the famous Paramount Pictures mountain is based out of. That that's actually a real mountain with that lake in front of it. I, oh, I don't know wow. if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Very few tourists who go to Peru know about this, but it's insane. And there's never anyone there. I've actually been there twice, and I've never seen any other tourists there. The first time I went there, I had to take a taxi because I at that point I couldn't really figure out how to get there because it was really hard to get to. And it was literally me, uh, the taxi driver, a couple of cows, and this in Paramount Mountain, and this massive lagoon, just all to myself. So that's a really underrated part of Peru that a lot of people miss, especially Americans who are just on a, you know, like the typical ten-day trip. They do Lima a couple of days, then Cusco, then Machu Picchu. If you, it's it's worth going back to Peru to do that mountain range, the the Cordillera Wash. The uh, Santa Cruz Trek is another one. Really amazing stuff. And as far as uh, underrated countries in South America go, Ecuador is very underrated and packs a punch. You have you have the Galapagos. Yeah. You have the beach that, that you could compare to uh, Colombian beaches. You have the you know the Sierras. You have the jungle. You have the Amazon jungle. It's crazy. Uh, Ecuador has a little bit of everything, and it's so small that you can take buses or drive everywhere. Really, really nice people. Ecuador. Ecuador is if you if you sprinkled a little bit of Peru and Colombia on a country and mix it together, that's the vibe you get in in Ecuador. You get a little bit of the uh, costeña, like the Colombian coast vibe of Colombia, and the typical kind of Inca, Peruvian, indigenous vibe as well. It's really nice. I I really like Ecuador. So have you done much of Brazil, or has the Portuguese kind of kept you away from it as much? No, I... I'm actually that's that's number one on my list is to road trip through Brazil. I, I've been to Rio, but when I went to Rio and Buzios, I was I was like 21, and you know I was with a group of buddies. Yeah, and we were kind of, we were kind of the typical group of gringos. <laughs> Nobody spoke a lick of the language, and we were just kind of in party mode. But here I've I've gone to Foz de Iguazu, where Iguazu Falls is. Yeah, I've done and that. I went to Sao Paulo. I went to Sao Paulo on a long layover, which is actually a more overwhelming city, I thought, than Mexico City. I I just felt so overwhelmed in Sao Paulo. Well, it's like with how big it was. It's like I, what, I have twenty five million to, people or something. Like a month, some, something like that. It's it's insane how big it is. Insane. <laughs> but yeah, I I really want to do Brazil the right way. And I actually know a good amount of Brazilian Brazilians now because a lot of Brazilians come in and out of Paraguay and there's a lot of influence here. Uh, from Brazilian culture, or than Argentinian, actually. Yeah. So if you miss one thing, or anything about America, what would it be? Ah, uh, there, there's no hockey rinks down here. Yeah. <laughs> <Mike. laughs> hockey guy. Okay. That's true. Yeah. There's, That's there's true. no ice. There's no ice. Yeah. Yeah. I miss, uh, I miss skating with, I miss skating with my buddies. I miss playing. That's, that's the main thing I miss. And my family, obviously. My, uh, my sister just had a daughter, so oh, I, I got to see my niece over, over Christmas. So, yeah, I miss my family and I miss hockey. That's about it, to be honest. Like, I, I love living in Latin America. Well, I actually what, prefer it. I, I, would like, I would like to live here. Well, I will, I'll ask about that. What is the ruling on, um, like, a work visas and things like that? How are you staying as long as you have been? 
Um, I'm actually right now I'm waiting to hear about work. It's, it's a little bit complicated and I can't really say a whole lot about it, but it's, it's actually not going to be as tough as I thought it would get a work visa here in Paraguay as say it would be in Peru. Apparently in Peru, it's a much more complicated thing because they're having a, they're actually having a problem with, uh, illegal immigration from Venezuelans. Venezuelans are flooding Peru and they're trying not to give out many work visas to foreigners, uh, right now in 2018 because so many immigrants are infiltrating the country. So, but apparently here in Paraguay, it's not as big of an issue. So it's, it should be fine. Yeah. And as far as living, honestly, if you're in, if you're in one of the uh, main cities, the best cities, the best cities in Latin America, uh, Mexico city, Lima, Bogota, Medellin, Buenos Aires, Asuncion. Asuncion is a very, very underrated city. When I first got here, I actually felt like it had a lot of uh, a Medellin vibe to it, which Medellin is what I consider the nicest city in Colombia, in, in Latin America, and not just in Colombia, in Latin America. It's done a complete 180 in the past 15 years since the uh, Pablo Escobar days have died down. The city has reinvented itself. It has the nicest, cleanest public transportation I've ever seen, and the people are proud of it. They're, they're so happy that those days of Colombia are in the past and they're moving forward. And they really are like, I can't explain how different it is now and how honestly Colombia is my number one forever. Like I, I fell in love with that country and I, I will always love that country. And Paraguay feels like a little slice of Colombia to me. That's why I love it here so much, but it's without the tourism. I, I kind of, I like being the token, the token foreigner. Like when, if I go out to a club here, there, there aren't, you know, when you're traveling, there's, there's always a German, there's always, a yeah. <laughs> there's always an Aussie there. There are none here. I, I am the only one I have it. I feel like I have it all to myself. I mean, I'm at, I'm in Disneyland, but I had everything to myself, but I want, I want other people to know how nice it is and, and how cool the people are. So see, so you know, what's I'm really trying to now. promote it. You're going to promote it and then you're going to ruin that, it. It's a catch twenty two. That's that's the issue. That's that's the problem. It's kind of what's happening to Colombia right now, to be honest. Take for example, Cartagena. Cartagena is a really nice uh, Colombian coastal city. Yeah, beautiful, and it's it's really close to the states and to the east coast. And now with these cheap flights on JetBlue, you yeah. can fly from New York City round trip to Colombia if you book it in advance for under three hundred dollars. Oh, sure. And the problem is. The problem is that a lot of Americans are realizing that Colombia is a lot safer than it used to be. And if you stick to the main area like a typical tourist, you shouldn't have any problems. But the problem with that is because these destinations and also the glorification of Pablo Escobar and that gangster lifestyle. Like if you go on Netflix, you see like 20 Pablo Escobar documentaries. I know. And kids it's, love that. Uh, so the, pro- the, the problem is that these, the problem these, is that these groups of young guys – see Colombia, they see the beautiful women, they see the Pablo Escobar narcos documentaries, and they want to go there for their bachelor party. <laughs> so Cartagena and Medellin are having this infiltration of gringos uh, for at least bachelor parties. And if you walk through the uh, main area of Medellin, you hear a lot of English now because a lot of guys have realized you can live here cheap. It's amazing. The women are beautiful. And uh, and just so nice. So you see a lot of American, older older American single men are moving to Colombia right now. Oh yeah, 
Thailand of uh, South America. Oh, uh, not quite, not quite to that point. That's that's extreme. That's <laughs> but, extreme. Uh, but uh, prostitution honest, is uh, it's, it's, is legal it's, there, right? Yeah, it is. I yeah, it is. But if you have to do that, God, I I hate seeing that. And, and it's so sad to me that a guy has so little confidence to go out and meet a real girl because I'm telling you. Real, real Latin American women are the nicest, most humble, most beautiful girls in the world. Find yourself a ah, – I, I hate that they come down and just – it's like they're at a meat market. Like I, I've been talking a lot about women in this podcast, but I'm not talking about those types. I'm not talking about the girl, you know, the sex stores oh, and girls. I'm talking yeah. about real girls. And I have, I have hundreds and hundreds of uh, Latina friends at this point after years of traveling and – I love every one of them, honestly. They're they're so such great people. I mean, as these as countries ha- get more and more popular, they're going to have to deal with this issue. You know, it's 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 something that they're going to have to a uh, government's going to have to decide: do we crack down on this, or do we take the money and and let it uh, you know have a red light district in every city? You know, it's it's a it's a double edged yeah. sword. You know, yeah, I it's it's not very noticeable here in Asuncion and, and in Paraguay in general. It's it's very off the beaten path, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And I, I would hate for that to be part of Paraguay becoming a more popular te- tourist destination. But I guess it just happens by default. I, but I would hate to be the cause of, you know, people well, coming here for bachelor parties or something. That'd be awful. Well, I mean, Paraguay, I mean, it would be, you know, again, being so far kind of down there and isolated that uh, yeah. it, it kind of keeps it more exclusive. I mean, if people want to go party that, and, and get laid, they'll probably go to Brazil before they go to Paraguay. You know what I mean? If they're going to go that yeah, far. Yeah, hopefully, yeah, hopefully they'll come here to be be a little bit more on the low key. But yeah, if, but yeah, if, you, wanted, if you wanted to come here it's, uh, just for parties and yeah, to meet people, uh, this is an amazing place to come because uh, Paraguay has a horrible history of war. And 90% of the male population was killed off uh, in the Triple Alliance War in the late 1800s. And the country, the country almost didn't exist anymore. And Paraguayans actually were almost taken in to beco- become Colombians. They're almost all, they almost all moved to, Colombians, to Colombia because Colombia was the only country that would accept them. Because there are only about 200,000 uh, Paraguayans left at that point. But still to this day, the, uh, the population, uh, the female population, population greatly outweighs the male population here so yeah if you're looking to get, if you yeah. want to come here it's a great place for parties and yeah and, you and will, it is you will, the, it, odds, the odds will be in your favor yeah but it is uh it is landlocked though right i mean it is rare down it, in it, south america that they're one of the few countries that are landlocked it's landlocked but it is a myth that they don't have beach they they have a beach in the uh in the main city of the summer it's called Incarnacion. this Really pretty little city, and they have a beach right on the river. It's the river, I believe it's I believe it's called I think it's the Posadas River. I, I might be wrong, but on the other side is Argentina. Is Posadas Argentina? So the countries are the countries are separated by a river, or maybe it's just the Paraguay River actually. But yeah, in Encarnacion, there's a nice beach. I would I would compare it to the beach in Barcelona. That's that's a man-made beach, and. It's nice. Everyone, everyone vacations there. Yeah, it's not. You're not going to go surfing, but it's a nice place to go with your family, whatever. Hang out on the beach. You know, play beach volleyball, have a cocktail. There's great, great nightlife there. 
And yeah, there there actually is a beach here in Paraguay. There's just not an ocean. So looking ahead <laughs> to the future, I mean, if if you really wanted to uh, start giving tours or something and and promoting it, I mean, you might have a uh, might be able to corner the market here to the gringo market. Uh, what is your future? What is yeah, your plan? I, uh, what is the plan actually for you? Well, hopefully this hopefully this podcast will come out after after this is official. But I'm supposed to be getting a travel TV show here. Wow. Uh, I hope I didn't just I hope I didn't didn't just jinx it, but yeah, I'm going to be I'm supposed to be hosting it and it's going to be in cooperation with the with the Paraguayan government. We're going to have a bunch of sponsors in and English the idea or Spanish. Is, no, it's going to be in Spanish. But uh I'll probably go through the videos and redub them in English after once they're all mm-hmm. you know floating around YouTube and all that. And yeah, the idea is that I'm going to travel around with a couple other quote-unquote famous TV hosts here in Paraguay, and we're going to show the parts unknown of Paraguay. And a lot of Paraguayans don't even know how many nice attractions there are here. And, yeah, we're going to show everybody. We're, the, the idea is to make it go viral and show the world. And I'm in this really weird niche, niche market of gringos who are prevalent on social media doing mostly doing things mostly in Spanish like for example I have a buddy who is he's the gringo of Argentina. He is famous in Argentina for he had his own travel TV show. He does YouTube, he's on TV all the time. He has millions and millions of followers on social media. I went out with him one night in Buenos Aires and it was like I was with Justin Bieber. <laughs> I'm telling you every everyone on the street taking out their cell phones to take pictures of him, asking for selfies and it's kind of like each each country now kind of has its token gringo that my buddy in Argentina, his name's Dustin Luke. He's the token Argentinian. There's a guy in Brazil who does everything in Portuguese, which is obviously the biggest market. His name is Tim Explica. And he does videos, you know, teaching a little bit of Portuguese, showing touristic stuff in Brazil, which obviously there's a million more touristic things in Brazil oh, yeah. than most countries in the world. My buddy, the Mormon guy, is actually the gringo of Peru. His name is Gringasho, which means super gringo. <laughs> and there's a guy in Colombia. <laughs> there's also a guy in Colombia who I actually don't get along with that well. He's a little bit – he's kind of like the bad boy who uh, doesn't want any help from anybody. But he's huge in Colombia, Justin Bieber status, celebrity level. <laughs> so basically, I'm, I'm in the process of becoming the gringo paraguayo. So the, the idea is actually that maybe like after we're all like blown up that we could live in a house, say, I don't know, in Panama together for six months and just do crazy YouTube stuff. I don't know if you're if you know anything about how YouTube works nowadays, but kind of well, it's kind of how kids kids in different niche, niche niches, yeah. they team up and there is really no competition because it's not really competing with each other. It's more just improving each other's channels and each other's content. And passing around followers and passing around content and gaining more revenue that way. So the idea is maybe after a while that we're all going to team up together and be kind of this gringo power team, hopefully. So it's a really <laughs> weird thing that team that gringo and ass backwards into. Yeah, it's something like that. It's pretty funny, but <laughs> I've kind of fallen ass backwards into it, and I'm I'm just kind of running with it here. Well, give the uh, once again give all your. Uh handles and uh, websites and every everywhere people can find you okay yeah perfect absolutely um uh on instagram i'm the bro abroad and that's that's probably the main place to follow me it's the same on youtube just spelled out and 
Yeah, just like the blonde abroad, but the bro, yep. I know you can make fun of it. I hate it. You can make fun of it too. <laughs> but uh, I'm in the process of getting my uh, Facebook page up and running where I'm going to post tons of travel videos with obviously the focus is Latin America because that's the that's the niche hey, and you that's need a niche go. man you and it's gonna be these days uh honestly like you were talking about with gaining followers earlier everything is so saturated with the people who travel to every country in the world and they spend like three days in one country and then go to bali and thailand like every i feel like everything i see is bali thailand bali <laughs> thailand and i don't know it's just how many Westerners can do the same exact thing? Like it's hard to stand out doing that unless you're like model good looks, you know, or have a model girlfriend that you travel with. Yeah. Well, you're the so, blonde abroad. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> us guys down here in Latin America are, have to do it a little bit differently. None of us. Actually, the guy in Argentina, the guy in Argentina and the guy in Colombia kind of have the model thing going on a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we're kind of doing it a little bit differently. Well, and try, it's a little bit more gritty down here. So. Yeah. We're not try doing being a middle-aged guy and getting followers. It's not easy. <laughs> it's, yeah, man. It's tough. It's tough. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll help you. We'll, uh, we'll uh, shout each other out for sure. All right. Well, uh, finally, what did you? What has this experience taught you about uh, people and maybe the way you were brought up in America? And how has it changed you as a person? Uh, I'm, I'm so much happier now. I'm, I'm kind of at that point where... I really, when I left, when I left the States, I felt like I was just living to work and I, everything was the same daily routine was just really kind of soul crushing. Like, for example, when you're traveling, if I, if I think back on like April 16th, 2015 or 2016, I can think of a vivid memory of where I was that day, you know? But if you, if you think of that, when you're sitting in your office at your office, you can't think of anything you did for maybe that whole month. And I realized that it's just it's happier to to work to live than to live to work. And life is short. You have to enjoy it. You have to enjoy it more than you're miserable. People are generally good. Obviously, there's danger, just like there is in the United States if you go to a bad neighborhood in a city. It's the same in Latin America. Just keep your head on a swivel. Don't be stupid. And people are generally good. Anything you want to do here in Paraguay, just ask and boom, you're, you're set. Well, Chad, thanks for uh, reaching out to me, man. Thank you. Thank you for this. It was uh, it was fun. The bro abroad. Thanks, Chad. Thank you. <laughs>